For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Believe in Vikings. I am your host, Dustin Baker. I'm here with Brian McKinney, my usual host. And also my tri-host, Ron Saw. He is a writer for FranchiseTag.com. Then we have two special prominent guests tonight. The first is Nate Burleson, formerly of the Minnesota Vikings, currently on the NFL Network. And we also have Sally from Minneapolis. She is a Vikings fan for life. So she's going to join us to talk all things Vikings along with Nate Burleson. Um, we're going to uh, hop into a variety of topics. And we'll start with the free agency stuff and then some memories from Burleson. And all that jazz. Uh, first, we're going to talk about betonline.ag, though. Uh, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. March Madness is upon us. Bet online has you covered for all of the news, sports, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to betonline.ag and use your mobile uh, device to sign up today and receive 50% off as a welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. All right. So we, we have finally, we got Nate Burleson on the show and he is a Vikings alumnus. So we're going to pick his brain on some of the recent Viking stuff and go through some of the memories. Uh, I'm going to start with the very recent stuff. So free agency started about what, 10 days ago now. And on the first day of legal tampering, the Vikings signed Dalvin Tomlinson from the New York Giants, who is a large man, and yeah. he played nose tackle in New York, but we're going to play him at the three technique. Um, we're going to hopefully be one of the best run stuffing bunches in the league. So I want your take, Nate, please. Do you think this is a wise move to put kind of a nose tackle next to an already big nose tackle in Michael Pierce? Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, especially given the fact that uh, there's a couple of teams within the division that are very strong um, when it comes to the run game. And, and listen, he was one of those individuals here in New York that was respected, um, one of the leaders on the team. Some would even describe him as the heart of the defense. Um, so for him to, to make a move and, and the Vikings to be the recipient of that, it's a very, very good move. But like I said, you, you look at um, you know, what teams are doing and what they're building. As much as I like to say this is a running league, it, it starts in the trenches. And if you can control the trenches, um, that, that, that goes a long way. And, and that's one of the areas of focus for the Vikings. Okay. Um, Bryant, you've talked about several times about the Vikings seem to have lacked a leader on the team, especially on the defense. Um, is that kind of the sentiment, Nate, that perhaps either Patrick Peterson or both of them, Tomlinson, they can, you know, be a vocal leader. We got a lot of leaders, leader types, but I don't know if they're rambunctious, you know? Well, well, I know Patrick Peterson. Um, okay. He is, he is um, all of that and more. And he's not one of those um, leaders leaders that's cookie cutter. You know, it's it's <laughs> not like opens his mouth. It's it's cut straight out of a movie script. Um, he is legit. He, he talks to talk and he walks the walk. Um, but oftentimes when you're trying to not necessarily change the culture, I'm not saying the culture is bad, 
um, but help uplift the culture or enhance the culture, you bring in individuals that were leaders um, on their teams. And, and this is a prime example of that, bringing in two guys that are not only going to go out there day in and day out, um, lead by example on the practice field and on game day, but also be vocal when the waters get rough and that roller coaster ride of the NFL season starts. Um, those will be the guys that the young players turn and look at. Excellent. Well, thank you. All right, Sally. So we had to trim back our question a little bit because we got Nate for 30 minutes. So uh, why don't you start with your question for Nate? Okay. Well, I'm sorry to switch it up from free agency so quickly, but <laughs> I'm going to leave the X's and O's to these guys. My questions are a little more, you know, lighthearted. Uh, so Nate, I'm really curious um, about what your experience was like doing the Nickelodeon broadcast. I know yeah. it was super popular, a hit on Twitter. I was with a group of friends. Everyone loved it. We were cracking up. I'm just wondering if it was challenging for you to stay in that mode of simplifying the game um, since you are such an expert on it and um, if you think it's something you would do again. Well, I would definitely definitely do it again. I, I, I loved it. Um, you know, I'm an 80s baby. I was born in the 80s, raised in the 90s and influenced by the 2000s. So this was my wheelhouse. You know, I even said it during the broadcast. I felt like I was born to do this more so than football. <laughs> um, I think the most challenging thing was the pressure that I put on myself because I, I wanted to be able to talk to the eight-year-old and also the 58-year-old. Uh, you know, I wanted to to really cross those generational gaps where I, I could mention a show that I loved in the 90s, but also mention a Nickelodeon show very recently that the kids can um, grab onto. Uh, but there was, there was a unique approach to it. I, I wanted to simplify the game without insulting the listeners um and and being in tv for the last seven years one of the things i realized is that um the fans they're smarter than we give give them credit for even the kids um you know i think the very traditional old school way of, of thinking about the demographic of fans watching is like some old dude on a couch with a beer watching tv um, with the antenna on top. That's not it. We have old men, old women, young men, young women, every class, every age, race, um, and, and being able to kind of craft my script and how I was going to teach the game while watching it. Um, that was the biggest, the biggest, I think, takeaway for most people is that um, I really crafted everything I said around talking to a wide range of folks. Yeah, I, I would think was, that was... Oh, I would Go think ahead. that would be really challenging, but what was the slime like? Oh, the slime was cold, a lot colder than I thought. You know, it's crazy because uh, they're like, hey, Nate, we want to send some slime to your house and your kids can slime you. And I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, whatever. Um, and then I get a call and they're like, the slime should be there today. Um, you know, it'll be delivered just like anything else. And this like unmarked white van pulls up to my house. I'm like, who is this? This lady pops out. And she's dropping off like vats of it. And I, I was like, what is this? She's like, this is the slime you ordered. I'm like, first of all, I didn't order any slime. <laughs> Second, of all, Why is there so much of it? And uh, and once, it, you know, they got it out, you know, I was I was like a, a little kid again. And, you know, when you're when you're growing up watching Nickelodeon, you know, Double Dare and and all of the, the shows that include slime, you, you dream about moments like that. I think by uh, sheer coincidence. Bryant maybe missed it by like two months. We're all 80s born products. And so we know exactly what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> Bryant, you got cut off by I think two and a half months, bro. <laughs> Raised in the 80s, I really, though, right? like I really feel like I'm part of y'all too, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, Ron, what do you got? 
So yeah, well, uh, before I get to my uh, my question, I, Nate, I did want to follow up um, with that whole Nickelodeon broadcast. One, like, how did that like come about? Like, where I thought it was a fantastic idea, like with to get little kids interested in the game and kind of going with that. So the first part of that is when did that kind of come up with the NFL deciding that? And two, did you knowing that when you were going to be a part of it, did you start to kind of practice your little anecdotes? Like, I know the the best one that I saw was when uh, someone got a penalty or something. You said it's it's like they're being a put on timeout or whatever um so did you kind of like practice those ahead of time as well well cbs you know who i work for on sundays um we established a deal with viacom so everything's underneath that umbrella you know from mtv to to bet to nickelodeon so they were trying to figure out a way to broadcast the game uh, on nickelodeon and and nobody really knew how it was going to go it just so happened turned out to be the highest rated show or broadcast that they've had (laughs) years so that was exciting to hear but to answer your question about preparing for the game it was it was so unique because um usually i study football like anybody would i'm trying to i'm trying to understand the roster in and out i want to i want to know what plays are coming i got i got to figure out the storylines that i want to touch on throughout the game i also have to figure out the six degrees of separation between the teams and the coaches and all of that right and that is exhausting like that's the most exhausting part about working in sports. You guys know that you prep so much and then you end up talking and you use so little, um, but you end up using that information as a crutch. The the unique thing about preparing for this game, I didn't watch any football. Like I told myself, don't overcomplicate it because if I spent the previous two days leading up to the game, breaking down film, then I would have showed up and hit you with all the jargon and the vernacular. And I don't think that would have resonated. So what I did was... <laughs> I watched every Nickelodeon show that I could for days. <laughs> Hotel New Orleans, chilling, relaxing, room service, and I'm watching everything from Doug to Rocco's Modern Life, Ren and Stimpy to New Spot. And all the kids' Rock references. <laughs> like Perfect. I just and I was just and I was watching old episodes and I was just so fascinated. And the more I watched it, something would pop in my head and I'm like, I'm gonna use that tomorrow. And I just it was like a rapper. It was like he's like B Rabbit in eight miles. It's like my mom. <laughs> <laughs> I was focused. Right. Perfect. All right. Well, pivoting off that, and Brian, this one kind of relates to you as well. So, Nate, when you, you when you left the Vikings via free agency with that whole poison pill like that, like yeah. that came up where I had never heard of it before, and obviously the NFL put in stipulations after that. From that, what was it like from your standpoint, and Brian? Obviously, yours as well. Like with you know, it was essentially a trade, Burleson for Hutchison. Um, right. But right. like, what was what was it like going through that with knowing that your name is attached to this poison pill? Well, if it was a trade, the, the Vikings got the better player. <laughs> better player at that time. I was, you know, a third-year player coming off of an injury. I had a thousand-yard season, but that was a year prior, um, and it was unique because it was my first time dealing with the business of it. You know, I had a PCL injury that year, so the Vikings were like, "Look, we're going, we're offering you a little deal. Um, matter of fact, we're going to put this third-round tender on you." And I'm like, "What is it? What is a third-round tender?" So my agent's like, "All right, here's how it works. They're going to pay you this much. Another thing has to come in." give up a third round, they keep you. And I'm like, this is, this is way too much. Wait, I, I just want to play for the Vikings. Um, but then my agent was like, no, no, no. Teams can offer and then the Vikings get to match. And I'm like, oh, okay. Now it's starting to make sense. And I remember I went to Seattle where I'm originally from. So I was a little biased and they offered me a contract right out the gate. And, and Minnesota was hesitant. So I was like, well, it's, it's home. They're, they're offering me money. Like, I think this is the right move for me. And I remember them saying, 
look, you're still living in Eden Prairie. So when you go back after this visit, don't pick up the phone. Don't answer the door. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, because it seems like you're, you, you'd be easily influenced to, to go back to the Vikings. All right. Damn we need them. to honor signing this tender and, uh, and you know, you'll be a Seattle Seahawk. And then I got there. Hutch signs this huge, like, I don't know, seven year, $49 million deal. And I signed this four year, you know, $15 million deal. I'm blessed. I'm not, I'm not nothing to, to, to sneeze at or, or, but, but I, I remember them saying, all right, this is how it works. Your contract is that, but it's going to read seven for 49 because I mean, it, so many words, they were basically just trying to get back at Minnesota for taking Hutch. And, uh, and I remember talking to Tim Ruskell, who was the GM at the time for the Seattle Seahawks. And I said, wait, wait, wait. So how am I supposed to explain to my family and friends that my, I'm not making $49 million? <laughs> he was like, it's not my problem, man. It's not my problem. And I was like, hey, this business is crazy. So Brian, what was your, like being in the locker room with that and like probably not knowing, understanding all the T's and dot, dotting the I's of, of what Nate was dealing with. What it, what was your perspective on that whole situation? Other than getting a Hall of Fame guard, being able to play um, next to you. Well, Nate was in my Vikings rap group. So I was kind of disappointed <laughs> that one of our main group members oh, was leaving. This is new. I don't know about this. Oh, you don't know about this. Uh, yeah. I, I, I've known you since late August. I've never heard about a damn rap group. Yeah, we had a rap group in the Vikings locker room. That's hard <laughs> to be major now. So. <laughs> <laughs> so then you had um, Hutch coming. I knew of Hutch and I knew he was playing next to me. So I was just like, you know, hopefully, you know, we can get along. I felt like we would do good though, but you know, I was there when they got drafted, so I was more familiar with Nate. And like I said, he was in my rap group, so I was sad to see him go. <laughs> like as the business side, like did you know that there was all that like terminology of like if you play this amount of games in Minnesota, like this part of the contract comes guaranteed? And all no, that. I definitely, I didn't. I didn't experience that part, so I, I didn't know about that. I think we were all learning about that, like yeah, you know, across crazy. the board. Even when when Favre's poison pill, like <laughs> the NFC North one. You know, and it, it's just such a buzzword that you're like, whoa, poison? What does it mean? So, <laughs> right. All right, Nate, right. I'm going to bring us, I'm going to drag us back to 2021. And my question for you is what must the Vikings do in 2021 for Mike Zimmer to be employed in 2022? Well, one, they're going to have to nail the draft. Um, you know, we're talking about a, was it an early mid round pick somewhere around 14th. there? 14th. Exactly. Okay. So, um, you know, and, and there's, there's a ton of things you can do with a pick like that. You can trade up, you can trade down. You can um, use that pick as gold, as we like to say in TV. Um, you can use that pick to address certain positions that you might have a need for. Whether it's the D-line, cornerback position, even though you bring in a veteran like Patrick Peterson, or even wide receiver. Um, th there's a ton of talented wideouts that I feel like a handful of those guys you can pick any one of them, um, and and they can they can make an immediate impact. And if and if we kind of strike gold twice, you think about what Justin Jefferson was able to do in his rookie season. You get another guy like that. Now you're building a complete wide receiver core. You have a couple of guys in place for whenever the time that the great Adam Thielen moves on. Um, and the reason I bring all this up is because, you know, when you nail a draft, it, it almost adds an extra self, a little, little bit extra uh, shelf life, if you will. Um, it's kind of like playing Mario and you get that extra one up because <laughs> – as the fans are looking at it um, and, and as people that are being critical of your organization, they're like, well, wait a minute. They just drafted some talent. Let's help them, allow them to develop that talent. And let's, 
and let's see what happens from there. But, um, you know, I think a lot of it does fall on the defense, finding their finding who they are and being as dominant as they were a few years ago. Um, but then also that offense finding that true balance. You know, it seems like at times it was like the running game was unbelievable. And then other times it was the pass game was just unreal. And, and that might be in a shootout with us trying to balance the score out. But if you have that balance, like that true balance, and what I mean by that is, you know, Tom Brady with the Bucks balance, you know, game in and game out. Yeah, we respect the fact that Dalvin Cook is one of the best in the game, but you're not expecting him to carry the game. You go in knowing you have to stop both the run game and the pass game. So you do all those things, which is, listen, this is football. So the list is going to be long for every coach that wants to keep their job. Yeah. Um, he does that. Then um, Mike Zimmer, yeah, he'll, he'll be around. I'm a big fan of Mike. I just like the way he coaches. I like his personality. So I write about the Vikings way too much, and um, I have you know prognosticated that he needs a playoff win to be around in 2022. It sounds like maybe you don't think that's quite necessary, or are you in agreement with that? I'm in agreement. It's not just enough to make the playoffs and get bounced from the playoffs. Um, it's you know there's there's certain tiers that teams fall in. Yeah. Uh, right now, let's take a couple of teams in the NFC for example, the Green Bay Packers. They're, they're not in the make the playoffs when a playoff game tier. They're in the Super Bowl or bust here. Yeah. Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. Well, I think we're exhausting ourselves saying, well, Russell Wilson is going to be in the playoffs. Like We know Russell Wilson is going to be. He's just that good, which is true. I say it all the time on TV. I'm a huge Russell Wilson fan. But now we're, we're almost tired of that narrative. So yeah. it's, okay, you need to get back to a Super Bowl, another Super Bowl. The Vikings, they're not in the. This is a Super Bowl team right now, which every team starts with the same record and are good on paper at this point in the year. But they're in the category of, all right, let's have a good season. Let's not stumble into the playoffs and let's win a damn playoff game. Okay. Bryant, do you think that a playoff win is necessary for Zimmer to be the coach in 2022? I do. I feel like the, the fans will start complaining and making they up for We can't start. We can't start the season off how we did last season, so for sure. <laughs> so, because um, it'll be back-to-back, so you definitely want to figure out how to get on the right track and make the playoffs at least the first round. Yeah, I I, I think we need a comp- or we need a, a bona fide playoff win and then a competent showing in the following round, and I think that'll get them to 2022, um, but we shall see. All right, Sally, you're up next. Hit us with it. Okay, Nate, I hope you don't get mad at me for asking this, but I just have to know. After the pizza incident, yeah. are you now just a big DiGiorno guy? Or are you delivering? What is your preference for getting your pizza? Um, well, I don't go pick it up anymore uh, because I don't know how to pizza and drive. That's for sure. Uh, but that was that was uh, one mistake that left an imprint on how I drive. You know, I was this is right when the Drake Take Care album dropped. And I had the auxiliary cord and I was messing with the auxiliary cord into my phone. I'm driving with my knees like I'm Vin Diesel and Fast and the Furious. And I just remember seeing this car in front of me. And I, instead of just hitting the brakes and letting all of that food just crash to the floorboard, I, I yanked the wheel. And from there, I was fishtailing like crazy. Uh, but yeah, when it comes to pizza, uh, there's too many delivery apps for me to be out there trying to uh, pizza Drake and drive. Never Drake and drive. You know, Drake would get you emotionally emotionally drunk. So I think that might have been it. I might have just been too emotional at the moment. That makes a lot of sense. 
<laughs> so Nate, you don't know this, but we'll be, a, we'll be forever tied in that instant instance because that same day I broke my arm as well in a car accident. So uh, yeah. <laughs> I remember it, it. Um, I, I was just going straight on in, in Prairie here on, um, on Anderson Lakes Parkway and a car turned left right in front of me, right by the police station and, uh, had my hand at the top of the steering wheel airbag broke it. So, um, um the same yeah. day, same day there. I, yeah, it was the uh, the radius, so it's got like the nice final destination type. Of it was like September 29th or something like that. I remember. Yeah, oh, it was, yeah, I remember. Uh, so because all my friends made yeah, jokes. Yeah, that was around like, my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep. All my friends made jokes about you weren't reaching for a pizza like Burleson, were you? So, <laughs> um, but uh, so anyway, away from that, uh, like I said, you don't probably don't care, but we'll be forever tied in my mind to that. There so, we go. Um, well, kind of another tie here. I know when you were drafted here to Minnesota. Your brother just wrapped up his um, collegiate career at the U of M, so um, yep. which obviously I was a big fan of his and, and that that squad at the time. Um, so, what was it like for you? Like, how fun was that to be drafted to where your brother? Like, I mean, he was finishing up here, so yeah. I mean, there had to have been some overlap, and it probably made it easy on the transition for you as well. It was cool because it immediately made Minnesota um, almost like a relative to me, you know, because when he was in college. Um, I was also in college, so I didn't get a chance to watch him play in Minnesota. I caught him on the road, watch his games whenever he was on TV, um, but I never got a chance to like see the campus, any of that. Um, so when I was drafted, one of the first things I wanted to do was uh, see my brother. And he was graduating, trying to figure out what he was doing next. He had some opportunities to go overseas, and I think he, he, um, he had a trial with Charlotte Bobcats, ended up playing with them for two years. But before all that happened, I remember walking on campus and we're really close. We're, we're two years apart or a year apart in, um, in grades and we look a lot alike. So, you know, people were saying, oh, what's going on? Is this your twin? <laughs> and I was still hooping at the time. So I remember actually he was giving me a tour of the campus and then we went to the barn and I was like, this is crazy. Like, it, I, it, I know it's called the barn, but it actually looks like a barn. They got the court just sitting up and like it looks dangerous. I don't know how that is legal. <laughs> Um, and, and I remember calling him out on a dunk contest. I was like, what's up? And, you know, I jumped a 42 and a half at the combine. So I was like, this is my opportunity to like beat my big brother in the dunk contest. But he kicked my butt. He kicked my butt that day. It was, it was like a commercial or like a scene from a movie, just me and my brother alone in, in this, this college arena and us having a dunk off. Um, and it was, it was a cool, memorable moment. And it's, and it's awesome for him to, after all of these years, be there right now coaching yeah. with the Minnesota Yeah. So, yeah, unfortunately, I'm a Timberwolves season ticket holder. I may lose some credibility when I say that, but uh, so, I yeah, didn't know yeah, that so, either. Um, so, <laughs> all these stories. My wife hates went, it too, so, but. Uh, <laughs> I, I went to the U of M. I think I've told you that. That's like my contribution to this segment. Hey, Brian, can, can you dunk still? I haven't tried that in so long, but I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's your homework. I want to see if you can still dunk and you can tell us next week. I feel you, bro. I'm too old for that. Well, All you right. got to, for the 42 inch vertical, like it's, it's probably not 42 right now, but you, you <laughs> still got to be able to put it down. I can still get out there. Some rim. <laughs> I broke a couple of the backboards like two years ago, and I just, I'm, you know, my wife and my family, they were like, it's over. Just stop it up. <laughs> At least you broke the backboard, not anything else. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> Okay, am I up? Um, so I'm. You guys mentioned the rap club. I was wondering if you guys have any um funny stories together. Either elaborate on that, or maybe from a night out on the town in Mankato or in Minneapolis or something like that. Just something um, funny. 
Yeah, you know, as far as the rap group, uh, B-Mac, he's like, B-Mac was like, how could I say this? He was like the Diddy of the locker room. Like, the, <laughs> he, he's like Diddy mixed Doug Knight. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he just had to be <laughs> And you want to be around them. Like, you know, Usually those like, two don't mix. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why he was, <laughs> They're like opposite ideas. That's what I'm saying. He had the, the first thing. <laughs> so, like, he would, you could joke around with him, but you didn't want to joke too much because he had them fast hands. Um, but he also could rap crazy, like crazy lyrically. So we would rap and freestyle in the locker room. We even recorded some stuff. Um, and that was some good times. And if we were doing that now, that stuff would go crazy viral. Like we could we could probably have dropped the track and like released it and streamed it. Um, but as far as like kicking it, I do remember going to Mankato and being out there for camp, which was super cool because the fans were always awesome. Um, but I remember coach gave us like the, the the night off from meetings and I think the morning off from practice. So he's like, all right, you guys, you guys can stay out, but just make sure you're back at the dorm rooms. And I remember like some of the vets, like Randy Moss or like Cole Pepper, they were like, yo, we like, we don't, I'm, I'm a grown man, bro. Like, what do you, I'm not running back to the dorm room. I'm about to chill for as long as I want. And I remember the coach saying like, look, you still got to get back at a certain time. Curfew may be off, but you still can get back at a decent time. And I was like, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just stay out and hang with the vets. I mean, I'm, I'm somewhat established. Like Mike Tice knows me. That's my dude. So uh, I show up a little late, you know, I, 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 I get into the dorm through the back door. And, uh, and I remember that evening practice, I'm doing my little stretches and Mike Tice he comes over and he's like, has something in his hand, a little envelope. He's like, Hey, I hope it was worth it. And he just drops it off. And I'm like, what is this? And it was a fine for being too late. And uh, and I was like, yeah, but I made it back. It wasn't like I was out going crazy in the streets. He was like, yeah, but I gave you a specific time. I said there was no curfew, but you made you you missed the second curfew. Um, and I, I always laughed at it because it was like that was my first like, all right, welcome to the league, young fella. Like, follow the rules all the way. And also, don't do what the vets do until you're able to do what the vets do. <laughs> Bryant, do you want to respond to these accusations about P. Diddy? <laughs> I feel like he's kind of telling the truth. Oh, um, I feel like lyrically, ooh. I was better than P. Diddy, though. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. About, but, uh, yeah, I mean, no, no, if we, would be, if no, we did um, Freestyle Friday now, like, uh, now with, like, social media, we definitely went viral a couple times. For sure. But, no, no, B-Mac, I'm talking about your, your energy and how you put together the group. You oh, was, yeah, my you, energy. With Diddy yeah. and shit. As far as... <laughs> You know, B-Max from the South, so they would get this rap like the South is country. They can't really rap. They rap slow. He rapped like an East Coast dude. Like, he I'm had, from like, Jersey. He's an East Coast dude. <laughs> oh, okay. My bad. I, he I started thinking, off as an Eagles fan, for Christ's sake. So, I, always, I, always thought you as, I always looked at you as a Everybody Miami. always thought I was from Miami. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so, okay, so now I get it. There it go. That's the <laughs> <laughs> We're learning all sorts of stuff. You know, Randy Moss used to rap too. Like, used to be a bunch of us in there. That's a fact. That's a fact. So yeah, Nate. Um, so you know, it's been pretty cool to watch your careers post football. Like to kind of see you as the analyst, and then you know seeing you on the Super Bowl and everything that had been just an amazing experience. But what is it like in a normal day for you? Have like with juggling the NFL network duties and everything else that you got your fingers in kind of, I'm sure it just keeps you like, especially during the season keeps you busy, but what's a normal day like for Nate Burleson? Well, I'll wake up around four, four 30, uh, <laughs> hop in the shower. Then um, I hop in a car, head to the city. It's about a 45 minute commute. I'm live from seven to 10. 
and then usually I'll go to uh, my second job, which is extra, and we'll talk entertainment, everything from J-Lo and A-Rod to uh, the, the Housewives news, um, and we'll cover all of that and everything in between. I, I usually get home around three or four, and then from there, I'll do some voiceover stuff. I was the voice for DraftKings this year, um, had a podcast with Uninterrupted. And then it's dad mode, you know, um, you know, coaching the kids, spending time with the family, um, chilling, you know, being able to plug back into the fam, which is the most important part. Okay. Get, kind of got that mini Michael Strahan vibe going. Just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stay busy. Yeah, there you go. All right. That's Sally. exactly what I thought of. <laughs> All right, Sally, we got time for one more from you with Nate. What do you got? Okay, so I'm just curious about this. Um, I know you played in Detroit for a while. Year after year after year, for as long as the NFL goes back, Detroit is um, a shit show, right? So what in your mind, do you have any opinions on why that is? Is it the ownership? Is it just the fact that they keep turning over the front office and the coaching? Why can't they find any success ever? Damn, Sally, tell me how you really feel. Well, um, I, love, I love that. I mean, it's weird not, since they're in the division, but I just I right? feel so bad for their fans. Yeah. And You're not too far off. Listen, there, there's a lot going on. At one point when I was playing there, the city was going bankrupt, like literally going bankrupt. Um, and uh, you know, you have to kind of you have to you have to have enough heart to understand what's going on in the city. Um, all the while still being able to focus on football. So you have to have a duality to you that you don't need in most cities because most cities don't struggle like Detroit. Um, but I think to answer your question, the turnover in the front office is crucial when you're dealing with new coaches, new head coaches, new coordinators um, every few years. That that just hurts the consistency and the flow and the rhythm and the chemistry you're trying to build. Um, but also, it's also a mindset. I remember signing there from Seattle, walking in the locker room, and a guy walks up to me. He's like, Nate, oh, what's up, man? I'm like, hey, what's up, bro? How you doing? He's like, man, I thought it was a rumor you signed here. And I'm like, what do you mean? I thought it was a rumor. He's like, I just, I didn't think, I, I knew you were a free agent. And I knew there was a handful of teams that wanted you. Like, why would you come here? I'm like, well, I think they're building something special, you know, playing next to Calvin. He's like, yeah, I get all that. But like, like this is where, you know, players come to bury their careers. This is, this is where the, the casket is. And I was like, damn. And. <laughs> I was thinking, like, this dude, this dude collects a check from the organization. Like, this, he he has a logo on his helmet and the name on his jersey, and he and this is how he feels. Like, this is how he truly feels. So from there, I I knew it was bigger than football. It was bigger than X's and O's. I had to help change the culture, and what Detroit did was bringing a few guys that were able to do that. So as long as they have those guys, which you know they let go of Matt Stafford, which was one of the anchors there. They're going to have to bring in some players that can help change the culture because BMAC knows this. Listen, I don't care what a coach says. I don't care if you bring in a master motivator. I don't care if you channel Mahatma Gandhi and you tell us the, the dopest thing we've ever heard. If the players aren't bought in, it ain't going to work. All right, Nate. Um, the, players, the players definitely have to buy into the um the whole situation because uh, yep. we definitely have people bring in like uh, motivational speakers and all that type of stuff. It's like you're there for 45 minutes to try to motivate us for a whole season. It's not going to work. Yep. Everybody has to kind of buy into the whole system. Yeah. Just like if you need a motivational speaker. I mean, it's your job. It's your career. Like, you know, that should be motivational <laughs> enough. Like, like to, Nate, to your be point, to have someone that's part of the organization to be, be like. <laughs> right. 
All right, Nate, we're going to hold up our end of the bargain for 30 minutes because we want you to come on this summer to give like a Vikings prediction. Um, so it was an honor to speak with you, sir. And uh, good luck. Times. Let's touch base after the draft and then okay. um, close Hell to yeah. the season. Okay, I'll leave well, y'all. Emac is an absolute legend, one of the best to ever do it. Emac, I love you, man. <laughs> Thank you very much. Appreciate it, Nate. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, nice, nice to meet you. All right, Ron, I'm going to pivot back to you, and we'll talk about some of the topical stuff. Um, I want you – I'm going to put you on the spot, sir. Um, I want you to predict the Vikings' next free agency move because we <laughs> we had two splashes that we considered a big deal, and then it's just been crickets. And allegedly, we should have about $10 million in, you know, after draft picks are signed. It's like $7 million right now. What will they do with the money? It's unlikely they just put it in their wallet and you know, give it back to the Wilfs. So I think there's two areas that they'll probably focus on next. I think obviously everyone's aware is offensive line. Um, so whether that means McKinney coming out of retirement and, uh, and joining the team or, uh, you know, whether it's the names like Austin Blythe or Trey Turner, Forrest Lamp, you know, has been, you know, linked to us a little bit. So um, I, I don't see them going into the draft having to get two starters on that offensive line. Um, so I do think they'll bring in someone that it's, that has at least been a starter. So um, which you know, again, if like Trey Turner would be the one that I would like to see because he had success in Carolina. He's a, a versatile player. I know he played center and college a little bit, so he has that yeah. mobility. Um, and you know, he's what 28, he's in his late twenties. So maybe you can get him, um, healthy and, um, on a one-year prove it type deal and see what happens. But, uh, um, anyone at this point would be a good fit <laughs> just think, getting a body. So you think Turner's struggles last year were an outlier or anomaly? I think so. I think, um, you know, not that I focus on chargers football too much, but I know he was dealing with injuries. Um, and you know, before that he was all pro level in Carolina. So, um, you know, that's not to say he can get back to that all pro level, but when you have that talent, you don't just lose it. Um, there's something that went awry that, that, and he's not, it's not like he's 37. So, you know, I think he's 27. So there's something that went awry that I think he can get back, um, in the right situation. So, um, you know, whether he is the fit here or, um, you know, again, one of the other options. So, um, seeing all the forest lamp, uh, like the grades and he's slightly above Brian Dozier. Now I know he was an early pick and there was potential there and he has had injuries as well. But when I see someone right next to Brian or a Dakota, did I say Brian Dozier, but a Dakota Dozier on a list of past we know who that grades, is. Um, when I see that, that makes me nervous as it is. So I hear you, um, but we'll see. Um, so I want to say the guest we had on last week, Ian, Ian from Eden, uh, yeah, Eden Prairie, um, he purportedly knows somebody in the organization. He thinks that Eric Fisher might be coming to the team or there's mutual interest or maybe even interest that was enacted by Fisher. Um, so perhaps that's what this money's for. Um, Eric Fisher is a pretty darn good left tackle. By the way, we need one of those. Uh, so we shall see. Want to interrupt for just a second to talk about our newest sponsor, which is eBay. Um, whether rare, dead stock, or the latest release, um, find the exact shoes you're looking for on eBay. As for the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop a pair um, that you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators, uh, which is a team of experienced sneaker authenticators. They verify the box, the logo, the stitching, etc., and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee uh, tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity, and it also protects sellers with a verification return process. 
And for the sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers over $100, making it free to sell and flip your collection. So go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. Uh, Sally, I'm going to come to you. Um, so, well, hold on. Before you ask me a question, I want to know what did you guys think about um, Elfline's uh, quote today that uh, he's unique and can play all three positions on the um, offensive line? I didn't see that quote, but <laughs> oh, let me read it to you. What's unique about me is I can play all three of those positions at a high level. Okay. Um, my knee jerk reaction, I got that in a Viking Age that website message group that we have, and I chuckled uh, because. Indeed, I didn't find it to be true, but there was once upon a time where we were really excited about Elfline, or at least yeah. I was, and that was 2017. It felt like... You right know, before we, he got injured in the yep. championship game, he had a great season. Yep. And then we didn't really do him justice by f- flipping him around with the hodgepodge. Um, but truth be told, I, I just don't know if he's quite that good. To say that he can play at a high level at three spots is uh, a little bodacious for my liking, but I don't know. Bryant, can an offensive line... Not bodacious. <laughs> um, an offensive lineman well, float around the line and be good at all three spots? I don't know about being a starter at all three spots, but I know they always tell offensive linemen the more you can do. So yeah. they want some people to be able to learn more positions. Normally as a backup role, not to be a starter. Okay. Well, and like, the, you know, again, I'm not taking shots at him because he's no longer here, but he couldn't make it as a starter on this offensive line that struggled last year. So what's to, <laughs> yeah. what's to say that it's going to work out elsewhere? I mean, I wish him the best, um, you know, but uh, it's, and he got paid. So, um, yeah. yeah, I just don't see it. So, Sally, you have thoughts on that. Let's hear your amusings. Uh, I mean, I just thought it was a really preposterous thing to say. It made me laugh, too. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, you like a guy with confidence for sure, but oh, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. What, what he probably yeah he said that that last part at a high level, it basically should have said, "Hey, folks, I can play all three positions." Period, and left it there because then go. that that's true. All right, so um, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this diplomatically, Sally. Um, based on your social media presence, it's hard to get the drop on how you feel about the current setup of the team whether it's Mm -hmm. uh, approval of the head coach or the quarterback so since i am one of the hosts of the show i'm going to nail you down to it what is your feeling about the current direction of this football team well this is hard for me to talk about because um i know that we couldn't disagree more dustin and uh you know but um I'm just kind of sick of the team finishing, um, always fighting for a wild card, always on that bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they have enough depth at a lot of key positions that if there's an injury, I mean, what? I don't know. It's it's not going to be good. Um, I do like the Patrick Peterson signing for the veteran aspect of it since the secondary is so young, um, but I don't know if it's going to be enough. Um, so Zim, I really think he should be on the hot seat. I think he already should have been on the hot seat. And as far as Kirk goes, obviously he's not, um, the worst quarterback by any means. He is, he is very efficient, but to me, he just doesn't really pass the eye test. It's not really about the stats to me. It's, it's, uh, yeah. Okay. So no, that's, that's all <laughs> perfectly fair. My, uh, my grievance with folks is when, 
falsehoods are broadcast. I like reasonable opinions that have substantiation. So I can get on board with your statements there. Uh, Ron, so now that you had a week to digest the Peterson news, Patrick Peterson, not our Hall of Fame to be Peterson, do you like it more or less? I do. I like it more. Um, well, one, like his press conference, you know, you love when you yeah. have a guy that comes in and like he wanted to be here, you know, kind of like to Nate's point earlier when when Nate signed and someone already part of the team is, why are you here? Like you love what like that, the fact that we as fans will look at a team and we think, you know, we'll probably be more optimistic than outsiders. But we're like, hey, there's always something to hang your hat on. But for an outsider who came from, you know, like a team that, you know, was on the upswing, like or the Cardinals were trending upwards and to look at the Vikings as like, Hey, that's where I want to go to have his agent call, <clears throat> call Rick and say, Hey, that's, that's where I want to be, make it happen. And then to come here and speak glowingly about Mike Zimmer and, um, and just the team. Yeah, I think, Sally. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I, I, I don't know. I, I love it. And then, yeah, like, uh, you know, it's, although watching, uh, the pro days later, like the news from the pro days and certain and, uh, and horn kind of lighting it up and took going away from what I had predicted a month ago, like saying that maybe a cornerback at 14, I don't think that we're in that market, but, uh, getting a veteran to go along with Gladney and Dantzler, I think is, uh, is the right move. Um, yeah. especially one that has played at a high level for most of his career. Yeah. I think well, would, go ahead. I just, I would like to know Brian's, um, opinion of this. I'm kind of in the camp that I think Zimmer is a little bit maybe too old school to connect with the younger players, you know, obvious, like they're growing up in this age of social media and they have, they need to be um, coddled a little bit. <laughs> well, I, don't, I think it's just so much different than it was even 10 years ago. You know, I mean, can he really connect with them? I feel like with the players that did leave and seemed upset with him, like Mackenzie Alexander and um, situations like that is, is that, just a normal thing to be frustrated like that? Or do you think it does have something to do with a, um, just a difference of age and not being able to connect? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, even though he's older, he still has to be able to adjust um, his coaching skills and communication um, style. So I feel like the better coaches are able to do so, like Coach Harbaugh, who was totally different than how he is now. He's become more into the players. Um, Zimmer has to kind of make that kind of transition and if he wants to stay around long. Yeah, I, I know. I, I think that the next hire in, the, you know, that'll happen at some point. I think that man or woman will be more, um, adept at adapting to players. But then I look around at Belichick and I mean, if he's the cream of the crop, he doesn't seem like a guy that's easily manipulated. That's going to coddle players. And that's the standard that I would, you know, point to. But then again, you know, he's was linked to Brady for all those championships. So, so what do I, was, know? I was going to say that too, because you had Tom Brady there for a while. So everybody kind of fell into mm -hmm. the system, but now removing Brady and seeing he went on to win the Super Bowl. And then now you're saying that they didn't make the playoffs. We'll see how many more years yeah. you can hold on, you know, you know, by doing this. Yeah. Sally, uh, my question was going to be, what are you most excited about for 2021? But I'm going to revise it. What will it take for you to be satisfied um, to give Zimmer another year? Is it going to take like 13 and three in an FC championship or what do you need to see to be pro Zimmer? Once again, I presume you were at one point. It's going to take definitely a playoff win for sure. Um, maybe two. I, I don't know. I just haven't seen, I feel like, look, we're still struggling with things like time management and timeouts. I mean, 
that's been the story the whole time, you know? So I just don't, I think he's a little bit too stubborn. I'd like to see him um, be a little bit more flexible on deferring on stuff like that. So I don't know. I think it's definitely going to be uh, at, at least one playoff victory and not these silly, like on the bubble, losing to teams that you should beat um, and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, Bryant. So switching topics. Uh, we talked uh, a few minutes ago about Patrick Peterson showing up to Egan. He had on this sweet purple suit. And usually when you hear this dude's wearing a purple suit, you know, almost sounds like the Joker or some sort of, you know, joke in general. But he looked great. I mean, it was it was well tailored. He looked fabulous. So what what goes into a player's mindset, you know, when you're at the peak of your powers, picking out your wardrobe for stuff like that? Um, or didn't, didn't you didn't you really get into it? Not I wouldn't. No, I didn't. No. So like wearing all purple for me, I feel like Barney. So um, <laughs> <laughs> that also like I'm sure just being this, being your size, like yeah, you're you know, having the, the size of a dinosaur <laughs> than he is. But, but it's probably it... easier for a six one, two hundred pound guy to get you know a freshly tailored suit yeah. right yeah. right away than it is for six eight. So has the to you did you like let's say you were gonna go do something with the media or be seen by people outside of the field would you care how you looked because it's kind of a thing now to see what so-and-so is wearing into the nba arena or what the hell Cam newton's got on that's definitely become a trend now and i think that's because of social media but i was always wanted like better dressed guys um when we had to travel um because i had a company that i dealt with my whole career so they always made sure you know everything was you know intact but um, that's definitely that's definitely a, a big trend, especially in basketball. But even now, you see the guys getting on these flights and how they're dressed, and everybody's trying to make a point to be like stylish. Okay, uh, Ron. Um, when Nate, what twenty minutes ago, was talking about how he thought we could feasibly choose one of the sexy wide receivers if they fell to us, like Chase or Smith or was it Waddle? Um, do you think that they would do that? I mean, realistically. I think that it's definitely an option because Thielen is on the other side of 30. And I think it's easier to get out in front of a problem than it is to react to it. So, you know, right now beyond behind our top two, like there's guys who do like one or two things well, but you don't have any complete players behind that. Like BC has moments of, you know, looking good. Chad BB is strictly a slot guy. Um, But so if anything were to happen, you know, to Sally's point, if there's an injury, like say Thielen goes down, we're screwed. So, um, and we're too late in the free agency game or, and also with money wise, like you're not getting a, a, a elite wide receiver to come in. So if you have an opportunity to grab one of those, um, I'm all for it. If you can set yourself up for post post Thielen or when he does start to lose a step and you have Jefferson and I mean, I don't think you'll be there, but Jamar Chase or, uh, you know, I personally like Rashad Bateman and it's not the U of M ties. It's uh, I just don't like Jalen Waddle and his one trick. And, uh, um, but, uh, you know, it's, it would be nice to have an elite guy on the opposite side, but, uh, I think the glaring need of, uh, offensive line is too great. And it seems like the way the board is going to fall, um, that they're going to have a lot of options there. So, um, but I don't think it would be out of the ordinary if they if they did it. Okay, point of order here, and I'm not just trying to be disagreeable. Uh, I, of course, if Thielen were, were to get hurt, it would suck and we'd all be depressed. But I don't think we'd be screwed. Uh, I, I've 
know Cousins well enough, whether it's remotely from Washington or in the numbers, to know that he doesn't. He's done a lot of passing production. With a little, yeah, yeah. When he had just one guy that was healthy, whether that was Pierre Garcon, Deshaun Jackson, and we even saw it last year. There was a game. Was it without Thielen? Thielen missed. A yeah, couple, and like. Yeah, and then he started to find the other dudes and we're like, whoa. And I'm like, I was trying to convey the point, like, this is what he does. Like, he distributes the ball better when he doesn't have to satisfy the target machines. Right. And it's it's a weird dynamic because, of course, you want to get Thielen the ball and Jefferson the ball. But in the event that's not an option, you know, via injury, Cousins did that for three full years in Washington with a hodgepodge of dudes that if they were on our roster now, you'd be like, God, our receivers suck. Um, but that's that's all he knew. So he's a better ball distributor when he doesn't have to satisfy hungry wide receiving mouths. Um, but with that said, of course, I want uh, Thielen upright and healthy. But if something were to happen to him, I wouldn't just throw up my arms and be like, well, this is six and ten. Uh, but we shall see. Sally, do you have anything for Mr. McKinney before we jump off for the week? Yeah. So first of all, are you talking about Chad Beebe? Is that your guy? Me? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I don't have a guy. No, I if, if that happened to if that happens, uh, Herb Smith Jr. would be showcased like a mofo. And then uh, these other guys can catch the ball. They're nowhere near as dynamic or reliable as Thielen. But, uh, I mean, Cousins did it ad nauseum with dudes in Washington that you wouldn't even know their names. Yeah, I agree. Okay, Brian, I'm going to bring this up because uh, Nate touched on Mike Tice. And I was really surprised to hear that he was issuing fines. I, I don't know. I just think he seems like such a laid-back guy. Um, aside from when he was on hard knocks and, you know, he was swearing and all of that, but, um, I'm wondering, and I hope you don't get mad at me for asking this too. What was his reaction to the love boat incident? Did he just lose his mind? Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Hey, this is like our 34th show. And it's the first time we've mentioned the love boat. So kudos to Sally for bringing it up. He really was trying to get an understanding of he he knew what the purpose was to kind of bring everybody together for camaraderie. So he wasn't mad at the purpose behind it. He was trying to get an understanding of who all was involved. And then, you know, he's like a whole mafia type of guy. Like, you know, our highlight movies used to be like mafia uh, stuff at the end. So he didn't like snitches. So he told me a teammate who snitched on me and that teammate was going next year. Wow. So, yeah, they were going. And he let me know that's, who it was, too. That's pretty cool. I still cool don't really him. like this person to this day. I think Zimmer was. <laughs> well, if you don't like him, you can say their name. <laughs> Napoleon yeah. Harris. Oh, okay. I, I, I know. <laughs> and infamously, Napoleon the guy for Randy Moss. So not, not many Vikings fans are fans of his. So, so wait, Just so Tice was more upset about teammates snitching than the actual sexuality that happened on the boat um you know he didn't want to see you know all that come on to the, the team and everything but at the same time the fact that when people were they were you know we we're being interviewed and investigated that teammates were snitching on other teammates you know what i'm saying yeah. like if i'm going up there and you're, you're questioning me i'm only talking about me not mentioning yeah. anybody else so when he caught wind that you have people up there saying what other people did it's like for what they're you no know, so so that person did, was going next year. Was was the uh the activity Look that, up. that person was going that go, that person was going in 2006. <laughs> so with all of the activities and the antics, the debauchery or whatever that was broadcast, um, is that something that happened with a lot of teams and you just guys got busted, or were you did you guys do something truly outlandish? <laughs> I think that happens with 
other organizations. Um, you know, you heard stories about the White House in Dallas. You you've heard stories. Yeah. So we we're not. I'm pretty sure we're not the first. It's just ours just made. made Jay team. Leno and all these other things. Yeah. Just made yeah and it was on a boat, so that just right. makes it a little bit more you know special. Yeah. And then and like you know again it's everything from what it sounds like everything was consensual so no big deal like i said made the joke before wasn't a darren sharper type ordeal so um not at all worries there um but uh yeah like although like it did lead in my mind even though as a vikings fan the week after when carolina when we played carolina and they just whooped our ass and steve smith did that subtle rowing of the boat in the end zone that was hilarious Mm -hmm. at the time so um it probably wasn't from your end but uh but from a fan standpoint i thought from that season people started having like love boat uh, signs all out in the crowd and all type of stuff. Like every time we turned around, it's still like because uh, my wife went to Minnetonka. Like I'm out in that area a lot, so um, it 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 still makes for a hell of a story. Like everyone, all the workers at all those boats and everything, it still makes for a hell of a story. <laughs> well, it was whenever it was like the 10 year anniversary. Somebody like tagged me on Instagram, and I'm like, what are you tagging me about this for? Like 10 years later, it's my oh, it's in the newspaper here. It's 10 year anniversary of the love. Like it's high school or something. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah, I, uh, what I used to do, so I, I remember this vividly. I was 22, so it was just oh, pure no. gold for my brain. You know, it couldn't get any better than that. Like my team is doing cool stuff like the coverage that. of it must have been. And so I, uh, what I would do, you know, I, I memorized the dudes that were on the boat. So whenever one of, uh, you know, some, somebody would get a tackle, I'd be like, oh yeah, sweet. That dude was on the boat. You know, I'd announce it to the group that I was watching with just to, you know, be the night at. All right, Bryant, um, you got any other guests in, that we're cooking up in the weeks to come that we can tease or not? Um, anybody else y'all suggest? Uh-huh. Randy Moss would be a great one. He was in, I saw he 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 went viral uh, explaining the moon um, oh, situation. Yeah. With Tom oh, that was just gold. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, if you want to start working on Moss, that's kind of like <laughs> the holy grail for. You know, yeah, that'll be my coup de grace. Okay. <laughs> I still have a shirt from 1999 that? that fits me that has Randy Moss's face on it that I will wear if he's on it. So. 22 okay. year old shirt that hey, I haven't grown much since then. So, Sally, do you want to meet Randy Moss on a call like this? Um, Can your uh, little heart yeah. handle that. I've stood like five feet away from him and I almost had a panic attack on two occasions. So, I don't know um, if it's going to work, but we could try. We can leave you on mute at least. So, I'm just visual. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll just stand here and you know, make these weird facial expressions that I'm doing now. All right. Well, I'll try to coach you up. We, I probably got a week or two. Is it gonna be that soon? Well, hey, I hey, look, yeah, I'm gonna reach out to him this week. A little well, bit. You know what? A, a I've little... been to the Seven Eleven in Rand, so I do have a lot of questions about that because <laughs> it's demolished now, and that's not okay with me. <laughs> I, I got a little backstory. I don't know um, if you ever uh, listened to the show when we first got started, Sally, but uh, we recorded in uh, let's see, late early November, and I said to Bryant. Uh, uh, I was like, Hey, do you know, Chris Carter or Adrian Peterson? He's like, yeah. He's like, I know IP. And I was like, it'd be really cool if we could have him on the show at one point. He's like, yeah, cool. I'll text him. And then like within three hours it was booked. And I was like, wow, I didn't know I was dealing with this sort of uh, clout here. Holy crap. So I had, I had to get my game face on too, you know, cause that's the, you know, that's my dude. So another one, Brian, I don't know. Like if you're like one, just 
with the draft coming up um, to hear from his perspective, if you're close to them or not, like Dante Culpepper, because when he came into the league, you know, that was a, a, at least at the top, it was a pretty top heavy quarterback class that had, mm-hmm. you know, like four or five guys that were taken pretty early. So to kind of, yeah, to kind of hear what his thoughts mm-hmm. are like of this class and, you know, being the Sally's getting her role on. To yeah. the listener. <laughs> um, so I don't know, like, again, that I have no idea who, uh, who you have in your, uh, you know, your Dante, content, don't but, you? Uh, yeah, I know Dante. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll start with Moss. We'll bring this group back together. I got one other dude that wants to get on with Moss. Um, it's uh, Eric Thorvaldson. I promised him Moss too. He's the okay. prominent Viking dude. So, all right, I guess we're going to line up Moss. Maybe it'll be next week, maybe the week after that. Hopefully we'll break another free agent signing next week. Sally, it was an honor to have you on the show. I hope you'll join us again. It was uh, great for you to, to meet Burleson. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for asking me. I know I stuttered a little bit, but it was so much more chill than I expected. So thank you guys for having me. It was really cool. Absolutely. All right, that's all we got. And we'll talk to you next week. Skull Viking. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.